Next Sunday, Bishop Nick Spiller will be with us. Nick will be here, so that'll be a good thing. You know, today we're going to talk about winning your battles. Because we all face battles. And I was reading this online. It was something that a Cherokee Indian chief had said to his grandson. And he told his grandson, he said, you know, we have two wolves inside of us. He said, we have one wolf that is evil. And we have one wolf that is good. And his grandson said to him, well, which one wins in these fights that they have? And the chief said, the one you feed. The one you feed. And the battle that you have within yourselves in the battles you face, the winner is going to be determined by what you feed and who you feed. It's entirely up to you. I mean, everybody in this church and most Christians and believers all around want, want to get to know God deeply. They want those that don't know God deeply to get to know him. So their lives are changed and transformed. And they begin to understand the power that is in God's word. And you all have the ability to have that word within you. And it will change the way you live. It really will. I mean, we look at different scriptures and you see different questions being proposed. But in Romans 12, 2, it says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Now, Rose, she likes the NIC, NCV version, the New Century version. It takes the scripture and says it this way, do not be shaped by this world. Instead, be changed within by a new way of thinking. Amen. Then you will be able to decide what God wants for you. Amen. You will know what is good and pleasing to him and what is perfect. 
And that's basically where it starts. I mean, there is a war raging for your mind. You look at society and look what is changing out there. Look how much this nation itself has changed since you were, well, if you were born here, since you were born. Or since you grew up. And if you came here from somewhere else, look how much it's changed since you've been here. I mean, they're passing laws now that they, you can kill a child after like eight weeks of life. Sure. Just say, hey, I don't want this thing anymore, you know, throw it away. Murder. I mean, it, it, it's just getting ridiculous. The enemy has such a stronghold in this place, and it has a stronghold in us. We're getting away from the will of God. We're getting away from God's word. And we're accepting what the culture is, is saying as being true. And it is not true. What God says is true. I mean, the enemy has one job. That's to take you away from God. And the closer you get to God, the more he's going to try to take you away. And he'll throw things in your path. He'll, he'll deceive you in ways. I mean, you just have to look at Eve. Someone that actually walked with God every single day. And yet she was still deceived. So it gives you an idea how, how deceitful and strong and convincing this enemy is. I mean, he is a real predator. And you're his prey. You're his prey. So how do we protect ourselves in spiritual warfare? We have to understand what the enemy's goals is. I mean, they change from situation to situation. I mean, maybe you're up for a promotion in, in your job and you don't get it. So now you're, you give yourself the old pity party. You know, and you start calling your friends and you tell them how bad it is where you work because they didn't give you a raise. They didn't give you a promotion. But what you've also done is opened your mind to the enemy. Now he can come in there and he can start in with, well, you really deserve that. This place is no good. Blah, blah, blah. And just start feeding you. We do that with friends of ours. We, we feed them. They, they get feeling sorry for themselves. And you say, oh, it's okay. It's okay. No, it's not okay. You were wrong. You've got to tell people they're wrong. Tell them the truth of God's word. I mean, these battles that you're going to face are going to come as personal attacks. The enemy's not going to tell you and say, hey, I'm attacking this person over here, and this is what I'm doing. What do you think? He's not going to say that. He's going to attack each of you individually with whatever you leave open. But you have to realize you have the protection of God. Remember the weapons that God has given you. He's given you his word. 
You have it in written form. He has given you the Holy Spirit to dwell within you. To dwell within you. To guide you. You have church leaders. You have group leaders that are all there to point out things and pray with you and, and comfort you. But they're there to guide you and say, this is what the word of God says. And you have the power of God within you. God didn't give you the Holy Spirit not to use. He doesn't just like dormant in there. Use it. Use the power that God has given you. Peter tells us to be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. And who he wants to devour right now is you. He wants to chew you up and spit you out. I mean, some of the people in this church have been through many battles. Why? Because it seems like the closer we get to God, the more the devil doesn't want us there. And the more he's going to try to take us down, peg by peg. Just attack us in whatever way he can. For some of us that have faced these battles, and who have come through victorious, Know just how powerful God is. Just know and understand that God is there for us. Amen. He's there all the way. I mean, he's sitting there telling you, I got your back, I got your six. You know, turn to me. The problem we have when we turn to him is we don't always like what he's got to say. Because he's only going to say what is pleasing to him, what his will is. He is sovereign. So we have to understand that. We have to understand that every decision we make, there is a response. I mean, it's just like in physics when they tell you that every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Well, so do your actions. So do the things you say to one another. So do the things you do. There is a response to that. In the book of Luke, in chapter 22, Jesus says to Simon, he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon that your faith may not fall. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. So Satan at times will have to ask God's permission to attack you, but he doesn't in all cases. He can just come after you. You're on his turf. He's the prince of the air. But he did ask permission to test Peter and some of the other disciples. And Jesus tells us that he prayed specifically for him. 
specifically for his faith not to fall. And isn't that the prayer we need to make for ourselves? Lord, keep me strong today. Let me not fall from your ways. Let me not be deceived by an enemy as I go about today and conduct my daily business, no matter what it is. I mean, the enemy knows how to push every button I got. But he knows how to push them well. He knows who to use to push them. But the thing is, we have to be strong in what God has given us. He has given us a word. He has given us the full armor of God to put on. We're told to clothe ourselves with Christ every day. Get up. What are you putting on? I'm putting on Jesus today. Amen. Jesus is the one I'm going to follow. Woo. Jesus is the one I'm going to listen to. It's all about him. Amen. What's the song say? I speak Jesus. Sometimes the battles you face, and I'd say every time the battles you face, they're there to strengthen you. Amen. They're there to take you to a level that you haven't been at. Because the enemy can see you going here. God wants you here. But he wants you there. So there's going to be a fight. But who's going to win? God's going to win. I mean, if you read the book, you can go to the last verse. You can see we win. But in the meantime, you have turmoil. God will always test your faith. He will test your moral character, your conviction, your integrity, and your desire to please him. The stronger you get with him, God has seen your, your faith increase. He's seen your character change, your mind change, the way you think change into a desire to please him. Paul wrote in Philippians, finally, brother, <clears throat> Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. These are the things of God. These are the things our minds need to be wrapped around. Because in this lost and dying world we're going to have to stand up because the people are going to start flooding these doors they're going to start flooding these doors and we're going to have to be here and know how to handle it Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 he says, though we walk in flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. We're pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, casting down every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into a captivity and into obedience with God. There's something that goes on in your mind every single day. 
I mean, you think about how many thoughts you have in one day. How many of those line up in obedience to God? How many of those thoughts line up in obedience to God? God wants every single one of those thoughts to line up in your obedience with him. That's what he expects. Yet we all fall short of the glory of God. So we all kind of let God down from time to time. But we have to know how to, how to stand up, how to be strong, and how to face it. We've all, at times, had conflict with another person at some time in our lives. There's no getting around it. You've all had arguments with somebody. You've all had conflicts. You've all had fights. Now, whether you responded verbally or physically to that aggression, or maybe you were the instigator, our human behavior is how we respond. When someone attacks us, we defend ourselves, whether we do it verbally or physically. The enemy attacks us, too. So how do we defend ourselves against them? By knowing God's word. By getting on our knees and spending time with God. By asking God for his wisdom. I know every time that I've gone through a struggle, I'll call somebody. Sometimes I'll call people because I just want them to say yes and agree with everything I say. Because that, that makes my pity party just go so much easier. <laughs> That's not godly. Godly is when somebody calls you up and says, hey, I just did this, and you say, That's not right. That's not the way God would and don't blah 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 blah. You know, and I know huff and no puff. You gotta stand your ground with God because people are gonna get that way. You're gonna meet people in lines at grocery stores, in supermarkets, in, in Walmarts, and all kinds of places. They're just gonna be huffing and puffing. You're just going to have to tell them about God and about Jesus and how that will change their life and how to change their thinking. But you also have friends that face battles. And then rather than console them and yes them, tell them what God's word says. Tell them when they're wrong. I got people that do that. I got accountability partners that when I'm wrong, they'll tell me. They have no problem. They'll slap me right in the face and say, you're wrong. Paul in 2 Corinthians 10, when he, when he brings this out, he was responding to circumstances that he went through. He was being slandered by critics of his ministry. There, he was, they were calling down his authority in the Corinthian church. They were trying to make themselves look better in front of these Corinthian 
believers. And they tried to discredit Paul. And they tried to diminish what his effect would be in the church and on his teaching. Because they wanted people to look at Paul and say, yeah, they're right, yeah, this guy's saying nonsense. We don't need to listen to him. We don't need to listen. We don't need to respond to him. This is what his critics were going after. And Paul stood firm. And he brings out the word war because it is really a war that we're fighting. It's really a shame that things like this go on. But Paul's talking all about that. He's saying we have to combat these things. Because every one of you in this place too has had people talking about you behind your back. And you know it. They're trying to tear you down. And how you respond to that, how strong you are, depends on your relationship with God. You can let the enemy win that battle, or you can win that battle with God. The strongholds Paul talks about, they're not actual places, they're not castles or fortresses, or even people themselves. They, they're accusations. They're things that we hold on to from our past. They're things that leave an opening in our life for the enemy to come after us. And we all have the capability of being so much stronger, so much stronger. Paul clarifies the strongholds. He said they're arguments. They're lofty opinions that people form and project. Paul was very, very specific about the strongholds that were raised against his knowledge, the concept of his knowledge, and how he exalted God above everything else. But these people wanted it the other way. They wanted the enemy to get a stronghold in Paul's life so they could defeat everything he was doing in Corinth. So sometimes everything that you're doing with God and the way God is moving you upwards and the way God is preparing you for your next step, for your next move to get closer and closer to him, the enemy's going to come in and try to defeat you. That's all. He just wants to tear you down. Take you down a peg. That's what we used to say to, to kids when we were growing up. You know, they'd get high and mighty, they'd get all puffed up. You know, we'd just walk up to them, we're gonna knock you down a peg. Boom. And just put one right alongside their head. That's the same thing the devil's doing. He's saying you're getting too close to God. God is going to use you too mightily. God is going to restore everything that was taken. Look what he did with Job. Amen. But Job hung in there. Job's faith was tested. Amen. And God restored him a hundredfold. You don't think he'll do that to people in this church, people in this, in this world that cling to God? 
God will restore everything. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Joyce Meyer wrote a book called Battlefield of the Mind. And in it, she said, your life will not get straightened out until your mind does. That makes perfect sense. Until your way of thinking is changed, how are you going to change? How are your attitudes going to change? How are your belief system going to change until your mind changes? That's why there's such a war for it. It's so important. The battle that rages inside of us is there to secure residency in our hearts. It may start in our mind. It may start in the way we think, the way we act. But it wants to live in our hearts. So everything that we desire comes in place with the mind. That's what they're going after. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Thus, what territory we dwell in our hearts will ultimately influence the way we think and the way we act and what we say to people and how we act with people and how we interact Paul says that the means of fighting against them are not weapons of the flesh. There's no way. It is a battle of the mind. It is a battle of the mind. And that battle is for you. No physical weapons are used. But what we have, that the enemy does not have, is divine power. We have power from on high that will conquer anything that comes up against us if we use it. Amen. We have the power to destroy strongholds. We just have to recognize them and want to get rid of them. The believer needs weapons to fight against strongholds. We do not allow arguments or concepts that are against the knowledge of God to dwell within us. We cannot allow that. We cannot allow anything that is against God's will to live within us. We have to stand firm. And since the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but spiritual weapons, Paul calls them. Divine power. Divine power. Paul identifies the sword of the Spirit as the Word of God. You have the Word of God. You have the Holy Spirit. There's nothing more you need to overcome anything that comes up against you. Anything can be defeated if you just desire to let that happen. But if you get caught feeding the flesh, then the flesh is going to succeed. Mm -hmm. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper 
than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow. It is the discerner of thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word of God. The word of God. You have God's word available to you on our app. It says audio Bible. There's several different versions of the Bible that you pick the version you like, pick what you want to listen to, and just turn it on. Doesn't cost you anything. But the time you'll take listening to that will strengthen you just a little bit more. Just a little bit more every day. You get stronger and stronger. So the next time you're attacked, you're strong enough to overcome it. You're strong enough to defeat it. Because you will face these battles. Mm -hmm. You will face them. Oh, yeah. And the closer we draw to God, the more they're going to come. Because right now, in this sitting in this church, and sitting in churches everywhere, are people, and the devil doesn't even know who you are. He doesn't know you. But there's other people, he knows your name. Like he said, Paul and John, I know. But who are you? Well, he might say, I know you, Pastor. I know who you are. And I'm going to get you. Does he know your name? <laughs> Most churches today in this United States don't have a Holy Spirit dwelling within it. It's all about show. It's all about money. It's all about programs. There's no spirit in it. There was really a very large church in Broward County several years ago. It was told if you want this influx of money, that we're willing to give you some organization, you have to take the Holy Spirit out of the sanctuary. I don't know. Put him in the back room. Wow. And they did. Now the church has no power. It has people. It has no power. You have to hold on to everything that God's willing to give you. Because when he's willing to pour out all he has to you. Jesus told us that we're going to learn more and reveal more and do more work than he ever did. The only way we're going to do it is with the Holy Spirit. The only way we're going to accomplish what Jesus wants to accomplish on this earth is by using his power and overcoming the enemy. Scripture is a spiritual weapon. It's the weapon we have to defeat an enemy. It's the way we arm ourselves. We don't need AK-47s or AR-16s or whatever they are, the bum stocks and all that. We need the Word of God. Amen. That's all we need to be victorious. Praise the Lord. 
That's all we need. And God has given everyone that wants it all the access they want. All the access they want. We must arm ourselves with that and dismantle the attacks of the enemy. The word of God has the power to discern the thoughts and the intentions in your heart. The things you're thinking right now. The things that friends of yours and people you know, the thoughts they have. The Holy Spirit can tell whether they're of God or they're of the enemy. And if you have the gift of discernment, you can tell them what it is. Because people today get comfortable and they want to have things their way. And that's not always God's way. Scripture has the capacity to be divinely empowered weapon because it contains spiritual truth. The only way to fight a spiritual battle that's taking place is to counteract and counterattack that enemy with the word of God and with the truth of God. Yeah. It's only then that we can prove what is true, what is in unison with God, what is his word for us, what is his desire for each and every one of you. Because what he desires of you is different than what he desires for me. What he wants from me is different than what he wants from you. But he has a will. He has a plan for each and every one of you. Are you living that plan? Are you following what God would have you do? Are you fulfilling the purpose God created you for? Or are you letting the enemy in the flesh win that battle? take you down. Bringing every thought, it says, captive to obey Christ. And the renewing of your mind will take place. How many thoughts today do you really think you have? And you have to take each and every one of them and learn to put it into God's perspective. You have to train your mind that when things come in, it's automatically converted to God's way of thinking. It's not easy. It's a discipline. But it's something that is extremely necessary. Otherwise, you will be defeated. Taking every thought captive requires intentionality. You have to be very intentional in doing this. It's training yourself. Examine your thoughts, your feelings, your images, your beliefs, your daily living. How does it line up with the Word of God? The foundation is the process. Your willingness to invest is the intimate relationship with Jesus. Your times of worship and reading His Word, being led by the Spirit, following the spirit. The intimacy with Jesus is the key. The closer you get to him, the more he will reveal, the stronger you will get. Yeah. 
and the more you'll be able to overcome the enemy. Practically, if you have a thought that comes into your mind, you pause, you examine it, you say, Holy Spirit, does this agree with God's word? You're having 10,000 thoughts a day. That's going to take some time. You're going to have to learn how to make that automatic. You're going to have to learn to train your mind. Because that's where the battle starts. The heart is where it ends, but the battle starts in, in your mind. And you're going to have to learn how to train it and teach it. Take every thought captive. If the thought happens to be one you know you've embraced for a long time, then repent. Repent of your agreeing with a lie of the enemy. We've all done that. We've all believed this lies at one time or another, and we've had to repent of it. We've had to say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me of that. Change me. Turn me. Take the time to look in the Bible every day. Find a verse. Read it. If it resonates in your heart, then begin to meditate on it. Spend the whole day just thinking about that verse. And eventually you'll memorize that one. And the next day you go on and do another one. Because there's there, as you open that Bible, God's going to send you where he wants you. Amen. The Holy Spirit will guide you. As you practice taking every thought captive, over time, you'll be able to recognize the lie of the enemy before that thought gets here. You'll be out here somewhere. You will. That's enough of that one. Stop. You'll know how to set it down. You'll know how to practice these things. You'll know how to do these things. Practice every thought. Replace it. You also realize that the fruit of God's word manifesting in and through your life changes your attitude towards it. Changes your attitude towards people. Changes the attitude in the way you think. Because now you're starting to think more like Christ. You're starting to act more like Christ. And the more you get like Christ, the better off it's going to be. There's a scripture found in First John, Third John, verse one, chapter one, verse two. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Isn't this what we want? Isn't we what we want our souls to prosper? Let's stand.